American values is something specifically that I just struggle having conversations about. So I feel very inspired to hear what both of you have to say and really get deeper into my connection to American values as well, because it's a very complex one, I feel. Welcome to Respect, Relate, Connect, the official podcast for Living Room Conversations, a nonprofit organization focused on building understanding and bringing people together through guided conversations since 2010. Welcome to this month's episode of Respect, Relate, Connect, the official podcast for Living Room Conversations. I'm Stuart Fletcher, your host. And with me today are Cy Harmon and Anais Maceda. Cy is perhaps the world's biggest Seahawks fan, and I think he could fight anybody on that. And he's one of my dear friends. Anais is the belonging, equity, and inclusion partner with us here at Living Room Conversations. And we've talked about it, and I'm pretty sure, based on our curly hair, that we're related somehow. Cousins may be distant, but somehow there's a connection. I want to thank you both for joining me today on the Respect Relate Connect podcast. We will be talking about the What Are American Values slash Ideals Guide, which can be found on our newly revamped website, livingroomconversations.org. If you're listening and you want to follow along, just go to the website, click the topics menu, scroll down, and you'll be able to find the What Are American Values slash Ideals Guide. All of our conversation guides are designed to give us structure so that we can fill that structure with as much meaningful and fruitful conversation as possible. So to start off, we're going to do a little bit of an introductory round. We're going to go around and we're going to say our name, where we live, and what drew us to this conversation. And I'll go first, and then we'll go Sai, and then we'll go Anais. And that's kind of the cycle that we'll follow throughout the rest of the conversation today. So like I mentioned before, I'm Stuart Fletcher. I live in Provo, Utah. I go to Brigham Young University. And I love having meaningful conversations with those closest to me. And Living Room Conversations is the perfect outlet to do that. So that's what drew me here today. I'm Cy Harmon, and I'm also living in Provo, Utah. What drew me here is part of what Stuart said. Stuart is one of my great friends. We served our missions together, and I also love having meaningful conversations with people closest to me. Um, Stuart and I used to stay up pretty late while we were serving our mission, and we would talk about all sorts of things. So I was grateful for an opportunity to come and chat with him. Hi, everyone. I'm Anais Maceda. Um, so just as Stuart said, I'm his long distant cousin of some sort, right? Uh, but <laughs> I'm sure of it. I know we're family somewhere down the line. But um, yeah, so I live and I'm from Southern California, Los Angeles. And uh, what brought me to this conversation other than Stuart inviting me um, American values is something specifically that I just struggle having conversations about. Um, so I feel very inspired to hear what both of you have to say as far as American values um, and really get deeper into my connection to American values as well, because it's a very complex one, I feel. So uh, that's what drew me to this conversation. Perfect. Thank you so much. 
both of you are like some of the most naturally gifted conversationalists that I know. Like Sai was saying, we literally used to stay up way later than we should have just talking about just about anything. And the conversation would flow from one topic to another. And it was, it was really cool to be able to experience that with other people. Today, to set the kind of the guideposts for how we'll have this conversation, we are going to read our conversation agreements. These are kind of six rules to help us stay in line and try to make sure that everybody is respected, listened to, and having a good experience. So if you guys will turn to the conversation agreements, I'll read the first one, and then we'll just kind of go around and each read one. You just have to read the title, the bolded part of it. So the first one is be curious and listen to understand. And then the second one is show respect and suspend judgment. The third one is know any common ground as well as any differences. Be authentic and welcome that from others. Be purposeful and to the point. And lastly, own and guide the conversation. Perfect. And if at any point we feel like one of us is breaking one of these six agreements, we can literally, we can throw up a little timeout sign. We can pause, we can reevaluate, and we can move forward to make sure that we are, are staying within the bounds of civil, fruitful conversation. So with round one, each of us is going to get the opportunity for one to two minutes to answer one of these following questions. Just so that we can get to know each other a little better. You know, uh, what's the expression? Grease the wheels a little bit. I'm going to read these questions out and then we'll go back in that original order. What are your hopes and concerns for your family, community, and or the country? What would your best friend say about who you are? What sense of purpose, mission, or duty guides you in your life? So I'm going to answer the third question there. What sense of purpose, mission, or duty guides you in your life? I've been actually examining this a lot in my personal life right now. In college, you know, you always have to be examining what kind of life you want to build, what kind of person you want to be, because you really are building the, the blocks for your future right now as much as possible. And I've been thinking about what kind of life I want to live and I realized one of the biggest senses of purpose that I find is helping those around me to feel like they are making a difference. I think all of us kind of have this drive and this desire to want to live up to a purpose, to be bigger than ourselves, to have a life that actually makes some kind of change. And I think that I have the capacity, maybe not right now, but at least in the future to help those around me to make them see how big of a difference they can make. Awesome. I can confirm that uh, Stuart's pretty good at that. He helped me in that area of my life for sure. Um, I chose to answer the second question about what my best friend would say about who I am. And I think my best friend would probably say that I am old fashioned. And what I mean by that is that um I believe in a lot of old fashioned or you could say like timeless principles in regard to things that lead to happiness in life. I think that throughout history, you can look back and see patterns of things that clearly lead to happiness and patterns of things that clearly lead to unhappiness. And I think a lot of the problems in the world today could be solved if people, um, would pay 
close attention to those things and spend less time trying to reinvent the wheel. I think that uh, that's something that my best friend would say about who I am is that I believe in some of those original timeless principles and that I try my best to live by them, even though nobody's perfect. Um, I want to answer what sense of purpose, mission, or duty guides you in your life. Um, it's also been a question for me that I've just been thinking about lately in my personal life. Um, you know, I'm a multidisciplinary artist and that's something that's been, I would say, I guess, reawakening in my life lately. It's been on a bit of a pause the past few years after becoming a mother and just, you know, that's been my main focus. And now it's like, oh, I'm in a space where I'm like, oh, I can be somebody outside of mothering. Right. And who was that? It's my artist self. Right. Um, and always through my art, which is like dancing, spoken words, singing music, um, being able to utilize my art as a way to communicate about certain social justice issues, right? And bringing that awareness to, um, you know, certain issues that we're experiencing and being able to communicate it in a way that's, that can be received and digested, right? Through the ways of art, right? I feel like music and even food, right? Kind of bring people together in those ways, you know, especially across those challenging or difficult conversation subjects. Um, so I feel like that's like my big sense of mission is being able to bring about a sense of togetherness, belonging, healing through my art. Thank you. Thank you both for sharing. So we're going to move into round two, which is going to be the bulk of our conversation today. And before we start, can I get one of you to volunteer to read that paragraph that starts with the current climate? Okay, I can go ahead. I was trying to unmute. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. All right. So it reads, the current climate of polarization might suggest we have deep disagreements about American values slash ideals and live out of conflicting understandings. But what exactly are American values slash ideals? What do you most value about the United States? Do they derive from our founding documents? So you look to the quote unquote, the inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or the constitution and bill of rights, protecting the rights of individuals from government overreach, foreign threats, and the passions of the people. Or do they derive from something else entirely? Let's rediscover our shared American values slash ideals. Thank you. And again, each of us are gonna get two minutes to answer one of these following questions without any interruption or crosstalk. And then once we each have the opportunity to kind of say our sh little spiel, we'll open it up. We won't be as structured. We'll be able to respond back to what other people say. We'll be able to bring up questions. We'll be able to kind of go a little bit off book here. So I'm going to read out these three questions, and then I'll go first and answer it. What would you define as American values? How are these unique to our country, or are they? If you were describing American values to someone, what would you say? What are you most proud of as an American? Is there anything of which you are ashamed? How do each of these relate to your values, to American values? Well, I think those can be pretty heavy questions, American values, and that's why I'm excited about this conversation. America is so diverse. We are the third largest country in the world. We have almost 350 million people, which is just crazy. And it's exciting. And it's hard to 
pinpoint exactly what values are what, depending on who you ask and where you go. But the question I wanted to answer first is what are you most proud of as an American? My dad grew up just outside of New York City and went to school just outside of Boston. My dad has this, this really beautiful baked in patriotism for the United States. He's had so many opportunities to be ingrained in the history. You know, he, he's a history buff. He's a news buff. He loves being related into politics and all these other things. And to hear him talk about the United States, it's honestly beautiful. It's really moving to hear someone that just so loves the place that they're from and the people who helped create it. And he's definitely passed that down to me to a very large degree. One of the things I am most proud of as an American is the fact that we are the longest lasting democracy in history. And we are, according to most historians, the first real democracy, at least since the turn of the AD from BC to AD, we are setting the pace for lots and lots of people. Most constitutions nowadays are designed off of the United States constitution because so many countries have found wisdom in the way that we have run our government. We've had amendments, we've had changes, we've had policy differences here and there. We've had the same constitution for, you know, 200 years, which is remarkable. We don't think about it as often because we're kind of spoiled in the United States, but country regimes change frequently. My mom grew up in Guatemala. Her country regime was changing every couple of months. They were forcing out one leader to another. They were forcing out one form of government, switching from dictatorships to civil wars to different democracies and things that they were kept trying. And we have just been able to stay in the steady pace for so long. And I think that is a, definitely an achievement that I should be proud of. 100%. Um, I chose to answer the second one here about um, if I was describing American values to somebody else, what would I say? And some of the, the main things that came to my mind were that um, I would say that American values or things that we believe in are similar to what you said, Stuart, things like true freedom. And what I mean by that is that we believe that no matter who you are or where you come from or, you know, what background you come from, that if you live in the United States, you are given the opportunity to take ownership over your life and achieve whatever you want to achieve and become whatever you want to become. And I think the way that our government is set up um, and the way that our economy is set up to a certain extent, it's true. It allows us to achieve what we often hear referred to as the American dream. Um, obviously, people are born in tougher circumstances than others in the United States, and it can be more difficult for some people to achieve certain things. But at the core of that belief is that where there's a will, there's a way, and there's nothing that you can't achieve if you have a dream. Um, and then I would also say we believe in, when I say true freedom, I mean things like freedom from tyranny and the idea that um, the people run the government instead of the government running the people. And that's something that I'm, I'm proud of and that I would describe to somebody if they asked me about American values. 
Wow. I appreciate both of your responses. It's definitely put me in a space of appreciation, you know, uh, for being an American and living in America. Um, and with that, I want to answer what are you most proud of as an American? Um, I would say my initial response, I feel like I have two responses for this one. So my initial response is my awareness to give reverence to the native indigenous tribes that have occupied the land that America was built on. And I feel like that's very critical and essential for us as Americans to recognize um, that this land was already occupied and um, there was a way of being and a way of living before America actually came to be. And that America was even built from and off the backs of a lot of these native tribes um, and indigenous tribes. And that comes with a conflicting sense of pride, but also a sense of disheartment as well. So that's why I feel like it's always very difficult for me to answer these types of questions when it comes to American values, because I also look at my family personally. You know, my grandfather was an immigrant from Mexico and came here, obviously, right, for the, you know, the, I guess, universal story of like wanting better opportunities, right? And he really thrived out here, you know, got his own business as a barber, um, was very well known and was very proud, you know, of the lifestyle that he built right out here for his family. But he was also still very connected to his roots, um, you know, Mexico. And I feel like that also gives a sense of pride as well that, you know, being an American is so, it, it's so diverse, right? The America that is built is built off of diversity. And even though we don't have that uh, very positive history of recognizing that diversity, um, it is still true nonetheless that, you know, America is just a melting pot of, you know, different cultures and um, ways of being. So that's something that I feel proud of. But also, like I said, it comes with like a, a disheartened um, attitude as well. Yeah, I can definitely connect with that disheartened feeling. I am, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before on AES, but I'm like obsessed with Native American history. It's the thing I've studied the most out of anything. I, I find it so interesting. And my mom is obviously from Guatemala. And so there is that same immigrant story. She came here going to college trying to get an education. Her siblings have come here doing the same. And there is a sense of American values bring people here, which is interesting to me because to me, that's a testimony of something that must be working, even though it is, like you said, there is that disheartening feeling of like, once you read so many of the things that have happened, especially in the, like in the 1800s between the native Americans and the settlers and you, you reading these stories, you're like, wow, like, how is this even real? Like, how is this possible? And you hear stories about how we treated slaves or Chinese immigrants or even like Irish immigrants and Catholic immigrants. There's a lot of brutality and hardness in history, but at the same time, there's that feeling of like, but these people keep coming here. They're coming here for a reason. I mean, we're the most immigrated to country in the world. What is it about our values? And maybe I'll ask you guys if you have some thoughts on this. What is it about our values that makes people give up their whole lives to come here? I'll let you go first, Anais. 
I was hoping you would go because I was just sitting with that. I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay, I, I can go first if you want to. Yes. <laughs> um, I would say something that could draw people here is that while we are very imperfect, if you look at our history of racism and treating, you know, all forms of immigrants poorly at different times, I think something that people forget, especially people who have never left the United States, is that um, racism in other countries is also, in, in certain places, really, really bad still. Worse than it is in America or has been in America. Um, and so I think that part of it is they see these values that we described earlier about the American dream and being able to achieve what you hope and dream for. And um, I think that allows people to accept that, you know, it, it may be imperfect, but this is the best opportunity for me. And so that, that draws them here, but that's just my thoughts. Yeah. That's definitely brought up for me. I feel like what comes up is really a, a dream, you know, faith, hope uh, that really draws people here. I feel like the way that America is framed or just like pictured is just right. It's like a dream. Like you can achieve anything you want, right. You can do anything you right? You can run your own business. Like you have the full freedom and that will appeal to anyone who doesn't have those things or feel like they don't have those things wherever they're at currently. So it's like the grass is greener. Right. But at the same time, it's like, when you get here, it's like, there's still like you were saying, Sai, there's imperfections. Right. Um, and perhaps, you know, we've done, and I think that's something also right to feel proud of as an American. I feel like we've done a lot of that work to be able to, you know, come together, even though we still have a lot more work to do, right? I, you know, there's still a lot more work to be done, but I feel like there's a lot of progress that we have made in being able to demonstrate that, like you said earlier, Stuart, just like through our democracy. I was I was reading something from my class today, which I, I wanted to share with you guys. I thought was interesting. And if you already know, I'm sorry if I'm explaining something that's basic, but it was interesting to me. But they, we were talking and learning about political ideologies and where they come from. And we were comparing American liberalism and American conservatism, you know, right wing, left wing, to the idea of classic liberalism. Classic liberalism just kind of by definition is the belief that the best possible society is a society that allows people to act for themselves, to be free, to do what they want, have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of press. And both Democrats and Republicans, both of their ideologies are born out of classical liberalism. And it's kind of a funny thing to me when I was reading this earlier today to be like, they're both born from the same ideology. And yet in America, we treat them as if they're enemies, as if they're opposites. But they're actually just different toolings of the same belief that like people should be free, that people should be able to chase the dreams that make them feel alive. That's the whole idea of pursuit of happiness. It's like we should be moving forward towards something that makes us feel like we are better than we were yesterday. That's in my dream, in my mind, that's like the American dream is like you, if you were born one way, you can become another tomorrow. 
it's in uh, retaliation towards the idea of like, sorry, you're born a servant, you'll die a servant. You're born a slave, you'll die a slave. But in America, it's like, no, you're the way you're born does not determine the way you'll die. And I love that. Wow, that's so powerful. I'm over here. I have, I'm on mute, but I'm just like, yes, like I'm over here like, mm-hmm, that's good. You know, like that's a word, snapping it up. <laughs> but no, that's really, <laughs> it's so powerful what you're sharing because I feel like it brings like a sense of, um, it really brings a sense of belonging and togetherness, like thinking from the perspective of like American collective, right? Like on a consciousness level, like we are all connected you know, through these American values. And it's like, even though we all experience them differently or perceive them differently, right? Um, That we still have the space or the opportunity to be able to look at, you know, where we've come from and how we can move forward. And I feel like that perhaps is like the essence, or I feel like how I'm relating to the essence of like American values of just like being able to constantly, continuously evolve um, and change, uh, especially even though, even though I feel like our values, right. Haven't necessarily changed, right. Like we still have our founding documents that is still the same. Right. And like you said, Stuart, there's certain amendments that have been changed over time. So it's interesting, right. It's like, there's a certain foundation to our, uh, to American values that have stayed the same, but we've seen them evolve and change over time. Um, and I think that's exciting and thrilling to think about because it's like, all right, we can we can still be active participants towards really achieving, you know, the American dream, right? Which is that pursuit of happiness, pursuing a life that really uh, brings a sense of happiness and well-being for for everyone, no matter what our background is or where we come from. Yeah, I love that. Everything both of you said because. Obviously, right now, politics is a a hot topic and a sensitive topic. And whenever it comes up, if somebody asks me my like political views or my opinion, I struggle to say something that makes sense. Because if I really just boil it down to one thing, I would just say I'm a freedom person, right? Like, and that's, that's what you both have described. And I think if more people understood that both parties, like far right and far left or conservatism or liberalism um while they're so extreme today like like you said Stuart their existence derives from a place of balance um i think if people understood that we could have more peaceful coexistence with people who have maybe a different view or a background on things and um i've always said when it comes to those, like the the division and the the polarity, that uh, both are right and both are wrong, and there really is a skill and a, a value in having the skill to find common ground between both. So, I, I love the way you guys described that concept. So, I, I guess a little bit in re- retorts to what we've been talking about. Have you guys ever seen? in your own lives, like in your personal lives, not just in general, but in your own lives, the, I guess the downside of American values. Absolutely. Absolutely. The downside of American values, I feel like is that it hasn't extended with equality or equity across uh, all groups of people, right? We can see very clearly that 
there are certain groups of people that get marginalized, um, that are oppressed. Um, and that's what makes this American living experience very disheartening um, and complex, right? Because those American values are, again, like I said, they're not extended as, as equally across a certain groups of people. Um, but again, as we, you know, just discussed, I feel like that's what also gives us the ability to be able to look at that honestly, um, you know, and see the spaces where our founding uh, values are not where that needs to be filled and what spaces does that need to be, um, you know, fulfilled in. Yeah, I agree with that on ease. I think, um, a downside as well could be sometimes when we talk so much about freedom, you know, certain people may feel like, okay, I can do whatever I want. I can be whatever I want. And they'll go to an extreme level with that. And there can be disagreement. Um, and so I think, I think right now the, the direction that we need to head is like I was mentioning earlier, just finding balance between those things so that while we're all seeking freedom, we can also have peaceful coexistence. And I was going to ask you specifically on how, uh, what are some things that you think need to change or or how could we go about um, improving in those certain ways when you're talking about people still not having equal opportunity or being marginalized? What changes could be made, do you think, that could improve that part of the the flaw in America? Thank you for asking that. Um, and first of all, I wanted to comment and just say how much I appreciate what you shared as far as like, th- that was very powerful, what you shared of like everyone you know, when we speak of freedom so much, we may have that sense of like, oh, I can just do whatever I want, right? And so that makes me think of like, oh, okay, then what is actually freedom? Like, what does that mean? And I feel like a big part of that is being able to understand that, you know, you don't, it's not just about you, right? And it's like, you can live a free life and also still take into account other people's freedom and what that looks like, right? And I think that's like a big part of, answering the question that you just asked me, Sai, you know, just being able to respect and accept people's differences, right? And ways of living and ways of being, and that our differences are not a threat to each other, right? That we can still live harmoniously with one another and live enriching, you know, lives, even though we may, you know, live them differently, right? But I'm not sure, you know, I can't really give or pinpoint very specific, uh, I guess, solutions, you know, to address those certain issues. I feel like it's, it's just, you know, they come up very specifically by case by case scenario, right. But I think a big thing is being able to approach, um, approach each other with a sense of, you know, humanity and understand that everyone's life is as important as your own. A conversation I had with a friend of mine not too long ago was, what do we do with people who live in America who want to get rid of these American values, who aren't pro-freedom, who are against the freedom of press or the freedom of speech or the freedom of religion? Like, 
how, what, what do we do? It's, it's something that they call the uh, tolerance paradox is that if you want to become a tolerant country, you have to be intolerant of intolerance. <laughs> and so it's like, if someone's being intolerant, you got, you can't be tolerant of it. And you're like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> how do we move forward then? So I, I'm just going to ask you guys, what do you think? Like, how, what do we do with people in America who espouse anti-democracy or anti-liberty feelings? So I'm glad you asked that actually, Stuart, because I was just talking to my dad yesterday about this. And what we talked about is um, if people really, well, I guess we always say if people know the constitution well enough, um, that they wouldn't want to turn away from those ideas. But I think even further than that, when people truly understand the principles and the beliefs that we freed ourselves from, or the the type of tyranny and lifestyle that we ran away from, then I think they would recognize where uh, we can quickly get back to that if we start abandoning <laughs> these these beliefs that we now have that make America what it is. And so I think it's just as simple as understanding the flaws and recognizing the progress we've made, because if you forget history, it'll just repeat in this never ending cycle. I think it's like, it's a important thing to just remember the details of what we ran away from, I would say, but obviously there's a lot more to it. Yeah. That's a, that's a difficult, uh, question to answer um because it's it's like a paradox right like all right well they have the freedom to think that and believe that right <laughs> but also <laughs> but also um yeah it can be it, it can be problematic right it can obviously for obvious reasons um honestly i really don't know how to answer that question i feel like just for me personally you know, by instincts, by nature, I just want to work with people who want to work with me, right? Ultimately, you know, and I feel like naturally, and I try not to come with that approach when it comes to conversation too, because, you know, especially with living room conversation values and our conversation agreements, but not everyone agrees to those agreements, right? Um, not everyone agrees to the American founding values, right? Um, so, I feel like our best approach would be to be able to really seek, you know, common ground. Um, but that only really works if people are even willing to want to seek a common ground in the first place. Right. So which brings me to my point of like, you know, I'm willing to listen and to learn and to adapt if needed, as long as the people who I'm working with are also approaching with that as well. Yeah. That's the hardest thing is the, it's like, okay, well, I'm willing. I'm willing to listen. You guys can talk to me, but if you're not willing to talk to me, I don't know what we can do here. I call it the the grand flaw in living room conversations and in the bridging movement in general is that these kinds of organizations like living room conversations that promotes neutrality and conversation and empathy and understanding, the people that these organizations are designed to help the most are the least likely to engage the very far left, the very far right, the people who are so entrenched in their ideas, they're the people that we really need to be talking to. And they're the ones that are the hardest to get to the table. And so I, I don't think we, the three of us can solve it tonight in this conversation, 
but I'm just curious about what your thoughts would be is like, how can we go about not just bridging divides between the moderate people, but bridging the gigantic gap all the way to the extreme left or extreme right who aren't even willing to have a conversation? Well, some thoughts I have on that are, I think that, uh, kind of like you described, Stuart, we, I think it's just human nature that when there's divide, we want to pick a side and we want to, we want to, you know, represent a flag of something, even in sports, like you see with rivalries, like BYU and Utah or anything where there's polarity, we want to have a tribe and say, we belong to something and that can cause that divide. I think it's such a broad problem that I think the best thing we can do is try and boil it down to what each individual person can do just in their daily life. And for me, what I try to do, um, I, I have a lot of friends who come from different backgrounds and different beliefs. I have family members who are extreme opposite um, views of mine politically and religiously and across the board. And what I try to do is just in my interactions with those people, I just try to give them zero reasons to think that I'm not willing to have a good conversation with them or listen to them or just hear their perspective. Um, and I think it just comes down to, to the way you treat those individual people when you run into them. And the, the vast problem as a whole is not going to get solved for a long time. And that's, that's just part of this experience in this world but i think little by little you can maybe help change someone's perspective that hey maybe not everybody's out to get me that doesn't agree with me maybe it's possible to just have a good conversation and there doesn't have to be hostility involved if we can be that example i think it can add up over time yeah i agree with much of what you're saying sai definitely as far as like moving like, or approaching it from like an individual basis, right? Like being able to just do my part and treat people with kindness and, you know, inviting and welcoming people, you know, to share their experiences, their, their values, their ideas, right? Their opinions. Um, and for me, I feel like when, when I get in conversation with people that I see that I have disagreeing views or maybe polarizing views, my, I mean, this has been a practice for me, right? Instead of like trying to state what I believe or what I feel, right? And I'm going to speak my truth anytime, anywhere. I'm just going to say that. Like, I'm always going to speak my truth. But, you know, asking questions. Like, I want to ask, I want to be able to understand first because I don't want to go off of my assumption of what I think you're saying, right? And I think when it comes to people who are in those very extreme polarizing um, views, um, you know, left wing, right wing, right right wing right well that's a that's a tongue twister <laughs> that was a bit of a tongue twister you know try and say that a few times fast but um yeah so it's like even people with those polarizing views to it, i think that's a practice of being able to approach um you know people who are very in their ways right like who are very in their ways so it's just like asking questions and i feel like that opens people up you know, just naturally in a way, not like interrogating questions, like, you know, it's just like natural conversation. Like I have a genuine interest in what you think 
in what you have to say, where you come from, right? And I feel like that being able to connect, it's like from, it's more of a heart space, right? It's more of a heart space. Like I see you as a human being and I'm going to connect with the humanity of you. I love both of those answers. Like the, just ask questions, just dig into it. That's a hard one sometimes, especially when someone says something that you just like so feel is wrong. Like you just like, you ever have someone say an opinion and you can like feel this physical reaction where you're like, Oh, like it's almost like taking over you. But like, it, that's the, that's the critical moment. That's the moment where you can decide, am I going to like make this more polarized? Is, am I going to turn this into an argument or am I going to dig into why they just said that? And what, what motivated that? I really like the give them zero reason to think like you're their enemy. I think that's a real, really good way to live life a lot of the time. Like, obviously, there are moments where you have to stand your ground. There are moments when you have to be vocal about your your standards, your beliefs. But lots of the time, yeah, we just have to be like, no, I am here to just receive right now. Just give me what you have. I will receive. And if I feel like I have to give, then I'll give. I love both of those answers. I definitely, I definitely agree that it's... Um, it's the person to person level, which is hard in a massive country like ours, but it's the only level that really is going to work. I had a question that I wanted to ask you on Ais before we kind of start heading into the final round. You had kind of hinted at that you had some trepidation about having a conversation about American values and ideals. I was just curious where that those feelings came from and just get your, um, yeah, just your experience around that. Yeah, thank you for asking. I feel like it there's a conflict because you know what I grew up to learn about America, what was taught was what I learned about and what was taught in school was it has been far different from what I've been learning about, you know, in my adult years, um especially as like a woman of color, right? Um and even just seeing what uh, you know, my communities go through um, when it comes to like systematic oppression and racism, um, you know, and all other forms of devaluing and marginalizing, you know, very specific groups of people. So there's, there's that conflict, right, of being able to speak up about those injustices. Um, and at the same time, I feel like also the conflict comes from, you know, connecting with people who, who may not, who may not see those issues, uh, or maybe who do see those issues, um, and not really sure how to approach it, right? Or maybe have very deep, you know, love and appreciation for America, or maybe have like a, uh, I don't want to say maybe not like a holistic view about American history. And I think even for me, it's like, I'm still learning or even unlearning, right? I would say a lot of things that have been taught about American history. So that's where, I think that's where truly the core issue or conflict that I feel is, is that I'm still, un, I'm still learning about, you know, America, how it was built, what it even means to be an American. Um, and like you were saying, Stuart, at the beginning, it's like, depending on who you talk to, it's, it, those answers are different. Um, so I feel like they're, 
they're really, I haven't really come to a sense of, I guess, internally for me, a sense of um, this is what it means to be an American, right? Like, it's hard for me to even claim that as an identity, you know, even though I lived in America, and I was born and raised in America, right? Um, And also, especially learning about even too just the structure of America, and it being, you know, uh, I guess, meant to be a democracy, but it also comes off more as, you know, a business, right? Very, very, um, very based off of money and power and industry, right? So, yeah, I don't think that was very clear. Like I said, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very complex. No, I appreciate you sharing it, though. I think this is um, not always how I work, but I appreciate when other people's do, people do when they can take their thoughts and think them out loud. I always try to keep them in and then articulate it. And I don't think that's the best way to do it because <laughs> it doesn't let you like actually run through the the whole the whole gamut of your thought process. So I really I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure the listeners appreciated that too. Sai, did you have any thoughts about what Anais said before we move to round three? I think it's difficult for everybody to to nail down, you know, what the American dream, what it means to be American. Um, what that answer really is, even if you were born here. I don't have the same experiences that you've had on AES. I'm obviously I'm a white male. I'm I'm what you would look at as you are purely American and you have not struggled with any form of marginalism. And I so I haven't gone through that, but I think throughout the journey of life, everybody has to figure that out to some extent. And um Really, from what you said, if we had more time on the podcast, I, as we were talking about before, the importance of asking people questions and trying to hear their story to understand them. Um, From what you've shared, I wish we had more time on the podcast because there's a lot of questions that I genuinely would just like to know um, from you, from your perspective. And I think that um, as more people do that, like we talked about, as more people just try to listen, that uh, more of us will be able to understand what it means to be an American. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's a great quote that I try to live my life by. I'm going to say it wrong, but it's, at any moment, man must decide for better or worse what will be the monument of his existence. And that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways and applied in a lot of different circumstances. But in this circumstance, I think about at any time a person has to determine what being an American means to them. Throughout history, lots of nations have been founded on ethnic lines. Lots of them have been founded on military lines. Lots of them have been founded on all sorts of different ideologies. We've had, theocracies that have spread religion from country to country. We've had all these different kinds of forms of domination, but in the United States, we, we share ideological lines. That's what makes someone an American to me. It's like, if you come here and you believe that you can be better and you want other people to have the opportunity to be better to me, that's what being an American is. But I really do think it's incumbent on every single person to determine that for themselves. And to, like Sai was saying, 
ask the questions of other people, find out what they think, build your own answer from the collection of everybody else's experiences, because being an American is personal, but it's also broad and it's also very general. And so I, I appreciate your guys's feedback and thoughts and perspectives today. We're going to move into round three, which is a bit of a reflection on the conversation we just had. Again, each of us are going to get a little time to answer one of these four questions. And the questions are, what was the most meaningful slash valuable to you in this living room conversation? What learning, new understanding, or common ground was found on the topic? How has this conversation changed your perception of anyone in this group, including yourself? Is there a next step you would like to take based upon the conversation you just had? So the question I'm going to answer is, uh, what was the most meaningful slash valuable to you in this conversation? And to me, it was... It was an amalgamation of what Anais said near the beginning and what Sai just said a few minutes ago, where you were saying, Anais, about understanding American history, understanding American identity can be hopeful, but it can also be really disheartening. And you have to carry that contradiction with you all the time. It's You can't just be one way or the other. America can't just be all good and it can't just be all bad. It has to be this blend of those two feelings. But at the same time, I liked what Sai was saying about when somebody presents an opinion that may seem one side or the other, that America's all bad or America's all good or whatever it is, you have to give them no reason to think that you're their enemy. Just allow them to be open. Just allow them to give to you what they're wanting to and what they're willing to. That way we can all get a better understanding of what being American means to everybody. I agree. I think the most meaningful part of this conversation tonight is just a reminder to me that there are other people who also are of the opinion that there's balance in these views and that we need to just be better listeners. Um, it's, it's helpful because oftentimes, partly because these conversations aren't always on a podcast, but when I find myself having conversations I often just wish I'm like, can we just get a group of people together who understand that there's, there's right and wrong on both sides and um, people that we can have a quality conversation with. So that was meaningful to me. And even to piggyback off of that, what I'm going to do moving forward is kind of what I said, and just try to listen more, ask more questions, because I think any form of polarity or extremism really derives in most cases from a place of being hurt in some, in some form, they feel like they've been um, damaged or they feel like a victim. And so uh, just trying to, to turn outward and not think about yourself as much and really hear their story is something that I'm going to do moving forward based on this conversation. Yeah. I would like to answer that question as well. Is there a next step you would like to take based upon the conversation you just had? And I feel for me, um, is definitely having more conversations um, about American values, but specifically surrounding stories and experiences of people who immigrated who immigrated here to America. Um, also, those stories who of those who have lived here 
um, who've occupied this land, like the native indigenous tribes, right? Like I feel like that would be a unique perspective to contribute to the conversation. Um, and with that comes the solution of being able to um, create more of a sense of inclusive, inclusive, inclusiveness. <laughs> there we go. Saved it. We good. We're good. <laughs> Um, but create more of a sense of inclusiveness um, and just representation uh, which I feel like could also extend these American values to the groups of people who have been traditionally marginalized and oppressed so I feel like for me moving forward I want to hear more from um, those of us who identify as being American. Um, yeah, I want to hear more from who may identify as being American, but may not have that representation or their story shared. Well, I wish we could go for like another hour because I feel like there's so much we could wring out of this conversation. There's so many meaningful insights and I, I'm just grateful for you guys for giving me some of your time this evening. Thank you for joining me. And thanks to the listeners for listening to this episode today. If you enjoyed the conversation that we just had, and like Sai was saying, he's like, I wish that I could just get a group of people together and we could just talk about this. Like you literally can with Living Room Conversation. That's, that's what our organization specializes in. Sometimes we organize it ourselves, but most often the communities organize it. Friend groups, families, church groups, libraries. There are always these conversations going on. If you want to have this exact conversation, you can go to livingroomconversations.org. You can download what are American values slash ideals, and you can just call up your friends. Say, call up three, four of your friends, or you can go to your church group, or you can go to a class on whatever it is. And there are people always willing to have these conversations with you. My last invitation to the listeners is to go to our website and to donate to livingroomconversations.org. We are a nonprofit organization and we create all of our guides and our resources free to download and shareable with anybody and scalable to any situation. And the reason we can do that is because of donations. So we invite you to go to donate to support the work of depolarization because we can't do it without your help. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or I guess X, and on Facebook. Go to our YouTube, go to our Spotify. But until next time, thank you and goodbye.